this is Steve. This podcast is all about making the gospel relevant to your life. That means discovering the good news of Jesus, no matter what you're going through today. We've been talking about standing for your family. And in order to build the house that God called you to build, you got to be able to assess and cast vision. And in this very special message, our elder Ken Can shows us from Nehemiah's story how to do just that. Well, good morning again. Man, it's great to have you here. See those that are joining us online. Good morning. Thank you for being here. My name's Ken Can. I'm an elder here at the Orchard Church. Also, my wife and I lead a life group. And also, I help to assist when available with our tech team. So thank you this morning. Jeff and family, thank you for leading us in worship. Tech team, thank you. Great. It's always an honor to stand in for Pastor Steve. And, uh, and yes, we are still taking a stand in 2022. Are you with me? All right. And for the month of May, it's all about stand for your family. You got that? We're taking a stand for our family. So this morning's message, it's all about you. Because everyone here this morning is part of a family. You might be here by yourself, or you might be here with your family. This message is for you. And be ready, because I am going to ask you to meet me here this morning and take a stand. But before we get there, got a lot of stuff we're going to cover. You with me? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to reel it in, okay? So my two strongest spiritual gifts are exhortation and faith. And I, when I'm at home and I'm, I'm going through this, I'm getting prepared, I, I always get a warning from my wife because if I get too excited, all of a sudden I'll hear from way across the house, reel it in, reel it in. So I have to be careful. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that all, all morning long, I promise. So uh, before we get into our message for today, which is assess and cast vision, I just had a couple of thoughts that I wanted to share with you, keeping our family, okay, in mind. All right, we're going to be keeping our family in mind as, as we go through these. So yes, did you know, there it is, did you know, yes, that, Extreme ironing, extreme ironing is an actual sport. Did you know that? How many of you knew that extreme ironing is an actual sport? Yeah, I'm telling you, since 1977, people have been trying to up one another by finding different locations around the world to iron. Isn't that crazy? So, man, you got skydiving right on the edge of a mountain, on a cliff. Whoa, Nellie. Uh, in the desert, right, on a, on a car. Underwater. <laughs> Underwater. I can't imagine that. But out of all the pictures, out of all the pictures that I was going through when I, when I saw that extreme ironing was a true sport, there was one picture I couldn't find, and I thought it would take the cake. You know what it was? Extreme ironing in your home. 
I could not find one picture anywhere where there was somebody at home doing the ironing, whether it was a guy, mom, dad, teen, youth. I couldn't find one, and I thought, wow, that, that, that would, for me, that would have won it. But we're keeping our family in mind, right? So let's, let's be thinking about that. We might be doing some extreme ironing at home here pretty soon. But did you also know that there are people who suffer from arachibutrophobia? Can you say that? Arachibutrophobia. Go ahead, say that. Arachibutrophobia. How many have that here this morning? Hey, wow, I do have one. Does anybody? Okay, we have two. So you're saying, okay, what, what is that? Well, that's the fear of peanut butter being stuck to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> yeah, so as a family, we need to be careful. If someone in our family has Iraqi butrophobia, we need to be careful. We need to be sensitive, all right? We need to be sensitive if they, if they suffer from that and support them, all right? All right, and so finally, our third, did you know, did you know that there are over 20 billion of these made every year? Over 20 billion of these every year are made, and only 18 out of every million are defective. 18 out of every million of these are defected. So if, over, if 20 million of these are made every year and only 18 of them out of every million are defected, how many are defective? Oh, nope. Good guess. How many, how many thousand is in a million? There's 2,000 in a million. So if you multiply... 18 times 2,000, how many do you get? How many was using their calculator on their phone already this morning, right? So you got 36,000 of these are defected. That's all. 18 out of a million defected. But there's something else I want to share about you with this to you this morning. You know, I've shared in the past, I have this in, incredible um, quote that I got from one of my, my New Testament Bible prof in college. And it was never surrender the control of your life to a negative thought, a negative emotion, or a negative person. Well, I want to change that this morning. Never surrender the control of your life to a negative thought, a negative emotion, a negative person, or a Lego. <laughs> because let me tell you, if you have a hardwood floor or a tile floor, and one of these happened to be sitting on them, and you stepped on it, it will change who you are. You will become a totally different person. And there will be things that will come out of here that you never thought you knew those words before. And you know what? You probably will tear somebody down for it. Whether it was a child, somehow your wife will be at fault or somehow you would have been at fault if you were playing with them. But you know what? I have grandkids at home now. Oh my goodness. I got to be careful. Got to be very careful. 
So we got to remember because this little thing will take you down. <laughs> so we got to watch these little guys. They're crazy. So going through that, our message today, it's all about assessed and cast vision. So we're talking about the family here in Nehemiah, right? And it's all, it's all about the family. Today's message, the entire message, is all about the in introduction and the invitation for you to do five things. Ultimately, we're looking at five things that we need to do in the process of assess and cast vision. And number one is prayer. That's number one. Pray. Number two is ask God for a plan. Number three, now that we've prayed, we've asked God for a plan, we have our plan, we're now going to be able to assess it. Right? We're going to assess it, then we're going to cast vision, we're going to do it. So those are five things that we're kind of looking through and we want to remember because we don't ever want to take them out of order. Because none of, none of this will take place if we take it out of order. So we want to remember that we keep it in there. So dads, moms, this is all about you. Grandparents, this is all about you. Grandparents, if you have single parent children, it's all about you. They're going to need your help. You may be able, you might need to help them. Pray. Seek God for a plan. Assess. Help them cast a vision and help them to do it. You're all in it. We're in this together. Parents, grandparents, youth. Huge youth. You're about the, you're a part of this with your mom and dad. Young people, children. It's all about the family unit, and we don't want to lose focus on that. And parents, we know that uh, if, you, if, you were, if you've been in the church your whole life long, you've probably always heard about Proverbs 22.6, and, and we remember it from the King James Version, right? So it was what? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will what? Well, you do know it. Okay, very good. Yeah, train up a child in the way he should go when he is old. He will not depart from it. Well, I'd like to share that verse with you this morning in the New Living Translation. I like how they, they put it. So let's look at it in the New Living Translation. Direct your children on the right path. Okay? So we're doing that. Train up a child in the, in the way he should go. We're going to direct our children onto the right path. Because a lot of time, parents, even grandparents, we get off. We get off on the wrong track. We need to make sure that we stay focused all the time because this whole process of, of assess and cast vision is constantly happening in our life. Every time you and I experience a life-changing event, we need to be prepared to continue to be in prayer, seek God for a new plan, assess it, cast a vision, and do it. It's always going to be there in our life. It's not something that we do once. It's something that is constantly taking place in our life. So we're going to direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. So isn't that something? We're directing them as a child so that when they're older, 
they won't depart from it. Yeah, so there's a lot of junk that's happening in between the young and the old, isn't there? A lot. And we're always, always getting off on that path. We want to make sure that we ultimately are, are staying on that path, even as parents, to make sure that our children continually, if we're leading them, if we're guiding and directing them, right? So as you and I continue through the whole teaching, through the whole training, through the whole directing process, there will always be rebellion, there will always be disobedience. And maybe once in a while, there might even be that word used that they say it's no. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, whether you've said it to your parents or you've said it to your children, but that word is incredible, right? No. I don't know about you, but I have, honestly. I was one of them. But praise God for loving parents that stood on Proverbs 22.6. I appreciate them. And I still, I'm, I thankful, I'm thankful today for them. And even Pastor Steve reminds us and has reminded us in, in the past weeks that, that, your, that my goal, our goal as parents, it's not about happy kids, but godly, strong, mature adults. What a great thought. We need to remember that's awesome. And I'm thinking about that with my parents. Even when I go see my parents over here in the Oaks at 93 years old, I still just sit there and I just, I shake my head. I say, thank you, God. Wow. Thank you for loving parents that took a stand. They took a stand for me. And that's my challenge for you today. Take a stand for your family. I can remember so many times growing up that with my mom and dad, I would see my mom and dad praying. I would hear them praying. And after they prayed, I would see that, that God had, had given them a plan. They would assess, cast vision, and then together as a family, we would do it. We would work through it. Whatever it took, we would work through it as a family. And let me tell you, I appreciate that so much because when I look at, I look at my, my own family and the responsibility that, that myself and my wife, we have as, as parents, it's absolutely incredible. But let me tell you, it is so rewarding. It's awesome. So don't forget, pray. Seek God and get a plan from him. Then you can assess, cast vision, and do it. So we don't, want, don't forget that. We want to keep that in order. February 1st, 1986, my wife and I had already been married eight years. I was a stay-at-home dad, and I, I had been for the past four months with uh, two of our daughters that were three and one. And, uh, and I was preparing for, to take a step into a new career, which I am still in today. My wife, Audrey, was pregnant with our third daughter. And, and while she was pregnant, she was still finishing her elementary education degree at Florida Atlantic University, and she was also student teaching uh, with Palm Beach County Schools at that time. And I remember through that process from the very day that we got married, just up to that time, we had already gone through this process six different times with life-changing experiences in our life. 
Six times we had already gone through that. But I give God praise and I thank him for my parents and for them doing that and me seeing it and being a part of it. And you have that opportunity. If you've never done that before, today will be the day. You can start today and create that for your family. It's an incredible opportunity we're going to go through. So on February 2nd, the next day after February 1st, 1986, I started my new career, and I started as a a certified and licensed professional locksmith and security consultant. And I soon found out that my whole lifelong career, I was going to be meeting people and helping them with their security and helping to assess and cast vision. It was awesome to see how how God put that in place and how I have operated in my career all, all these years. And when I look at that and I look when I meet with customers, I'm looking at three different things that I want to do. The first thing I want to do is I want to identify the problem. And that's what you and I want to do with our family. When we're assessing our family, we want to, we want to identify the problem, right? And we're going to do that by talking, looking at that, and, and meeting together. After that, then what we're going to do is we're going to define the need, what, what we need to do in that area. So I'm looking with my customers, identifying the problem, then define the need, and then ultimately being able to cast that vision because we can provide a solution. And so it was really cool. And just to kind of give you a visual of what I work with every day. And of course, I travel nationally. I support 53 different offices that we have in our company. And so I'm all over the place. And, uh, and so what's really cool is I'm meeting, most of my, my focus is with, with, uh, with education, with K-12, higher education, colleges, universities, and then healthcare. I'm all over the place with healthcare. And, and of course, I'm always getting called in when there's a problem, which I like. It's awesome, right? And so when I'm sitting there, of course, I'm identifying with whoever I'm meeting with, and, and I'm looking at the surroundings, something that, that can create conversation and also establish an immediate relationship with them. But then once we get into the process, you've got a couple of different types of people. You have one that will just throw up on you. Man, they tell you all their problems the very moment you get in the room with them. But then there's others that sit back and wait. And so the very first question I'm going to ask them, are you happy with the key system that you're using to secure all of your facilities right now? And they'll do one of three different things. They'll either open up their bottom desk drawer and point at it, and then I'll go over and look at it, and it's filled with keys. They had no idea what they're for, and then they close it. Or what they'll do is they'll reach down under their desk and they'll pull up a, a coffee can and set a big old metal coffee can on there, and then all their keys are in there. Well, they have no idea. But then the ultimate one is, is this, which I, which I really like. And I'm not over-exaggerating, okay? This is real. When I ask them how they're doing and if they like their existing key system, they'll pull that out. And that's what some of their people will clip onto their hip. So if there's an emergency and they need to get through a specific door, what do you think they're going to do? Is that something that you can manage? No, but for me, the moment that I see that, I'm thinking my mind's running all over the place, okay? 
I'll never laugh. I, I won't even smile. I don't laugh. I don't smile. But I'm already thinking, depending the, the relationship that I have already with that person, I can already tell. And sometimes I may look at that and I say, well, how's that going for you? <laughs> it's not going very well, right? So I have already identified the problem. I can see the problem. And sometimes our lives look like this. We've got so much junk going on, it's totally impossible to be able to manage it. But you know what? We have to start somewhere. And so I'll also look at that. And, uh, and again, depending on the person, I might say the moment they pull that out, I'll go, wow, we need to pray about that. <laughs> that needs prayer. Right? That's incredible. And so what I've already done is I've already been able to establish the problem. They know the problem. They're showing it to me. I see the problem. And so now what we're going to do is we're going to define the need. What do we need to do? All right, what do we need to assess? What do we need to put together to start looking at uh, how we can reach a solution? And so what I'm, I'm telling them, well, what we need to do is we need to do a complete walkthrough of every single door, every single secured door in all of your facilities. And that may take several days. That might take a week, depending on how big the, the hospital, the school system, or whatever that I'm doing. But we will physically do that so that we can uh, identify the additional problems. Because another reason why that is like that is because from day one, there has never been a standardization or focus established in the home. And so that is years and years of, of problems, of troubles that have never been addressed. And then the question is, you know, where do we start from here? Well, that's when we do the survey, we walk through. And then we look at what ultimately is going to be our results. Where are we going to go from there? And what's really nice is I have an opportunity to share with, with some of them, and I'll physically take, take samples in with me. And I will show them, I said, well, ultimately what I want to do is Obviously, the system that you have is not working for you. So what we want to do is we want to move towards something that will allow you to manage what you have so that we can get from this key change that has over 100 keys on it to one that looks like this. And through that process, I'll share with them. I said, and I'll share with you, ultimately what we want is in my systems, we have what's called a control key. And I, I love to use this as an example of God. This is God. When we give God complete and total control of our life, he will use us no matter where we go, no matter what kind of hardware that we have, no matter what kind of trouble we have in our life, whether it's on a door, on a cabinet lock, may even be outside somewhere where we have padlocks that are securing different places in our life. So this is different ways and just different examples that I'll use to kind of show them how we want to do that. So we want to standardize. We want to gain control of what we have. We want to bring it all in. And there's a lot of changes that will need to take place. We might have to change some hardware, might have to replace locks, might have to upgrade them. You're still using old stuff that, that's just, it's no good. It's worn out, and it can be, it can be used with your new system. So ultimately what I want to do is I want to move them to a system where they have complete control over it, where God will, 
be allowed to be able to use you and move you wherever he needs you to go. But ultimately, through every single one of those processes, you have the ability to do it and to make it happen. And so that's just kind of just a, a simple visual of, of moving from uh, even in a key system, just of something that's a complete mess, but, but moving towards a solution. So we can identify the problem, we can define the need that needs to be done in there, and then we can move forward with a solution. We can take our plan and put legs on it. So up to now, let's just say that at this point in your life that none of you, that you have never, ever before taken the time first to pray, seek God for a plan, then be able to assess, cast the vision, and do it. So let's just say that that's where we are here today this morning. So I want to give you two thoughts with some fill in the blanks. So the very first thought is, think about this. You can sit, think, and worry about doing something and say you're going to do it all day long, all week long, all month long, all year long. But until you get up and do it, it will never happen. So that brings us to our first fill in the blank. Vision without action is a dream. Vision without action is a dream. That brings us to our second thought. You can get up and start to do something or start to do several things all day long, all week long, all month long, all year long. But if you haven't prayed about it, and if you haven't committed to God to give you a plan, you'll never see where you need to go, and you'll never know what you need to do. It will be a very confusing and very scary journey. So our next fill in the blank is action without vision is a nightmare. So now we're going to take a look at kind of defining for us what assess and cast vision is. Give us a better understanding of that and with our family. So let's look at assess. So assess is take action, elevate the damage, evaluate the damage, and estimate the materials needed to make repairs. Okay? Take action, evaluate the damage, estimate the materials, what need to be used for our repairs. And, and I already, while I'm trying to even read that, I'm already thinking, saying, you know what, I, I already know what you're thinking about. And the question is, all right, is this going to cost me something? <laughs> Let me tell you, yes. It's going to cost you a lot. It's going to cost you physically. It's going to cost you emotionally. It's going to cost you spiritually. And it's going to cost you financially. But ultimately, the glorifying results and the value that will come from it for you and your family is priceless. It's an awesome thing. And that brings us to our third fill in the blank. Action with vision will change me. Action with vision will change me. And now we can look at uh, defining cast vision. So when we look at cast vision, here's what cast vision looks like. We're going to make a plan, help your family see what you see. That's very important. From your plan, you're going to help your family see what you see and together commit to repair it. 
Everybody with me so far? All right, here's our fourth fill in the blank. We're moving right along. Vision with action will change my family. Vision with action will change my family. Now, when we look at Nehemiah, he's just an, an incredible part of Old Testament history and, of course, served the king of Persia as a cupbearer that Stephen uh, shared with us last week. Even though Nehemiah lived far away from Jerusalem, he was still part of the Jewish people and concerned about their homeland and the struggles and the problems that they were having there. But one day he gets updated news that the city of Jerusalem is in ruins. It's unprotected and it's vulnerable to attack. And his people, his family, the Jews, are in a very, very difficult way. So I don't know about how you feel and what you do when you hear about that with family members or friends. But it changes us at that very moment. And, and I trust that it causes us to drop to our knees. And that's exactly what happened with Nehemiah. He was so extremely burdened and overwhelmed with grieving and praying over his family. He, he prayed, he, he, he sought God asking God for a plan, and God gave him a plan. When God gave Nehemiah a plan, he gets up, he goes, he asks for a meeting, he gets a meeting with the king, and he asks the king for help as well as permission to leave. And what happened is so neat when you see how God was all over that. The king of Persia grants Nehemiah the time that he needs to go, and he also grants him all the resources that he'll need to make the long journey, to do the repairs, to repair the wall, and to restore the city of Jerusalem. Wow, that was incredible. And so that brings us into Scripture today. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 20. And I'm going to walk through those just to kind of give us a better picture of what we're looking at. And you can read along with me up on the screens. Uh, we'll start right with, with verse 11. So I arrived in Jerusalem. All right, so that's kind of cool. This is the very first verse. So I arrived in Jerusalem three days later. But when we look at this, so I arrived in Jerusalem. <coughs> excuse me. It was over 1,000 miles in a three-month journey for Nehemiah to go from Persia to Jerusalem. How far and how long are you willing to make a trip for your family? How far will you go? How long will you journey? Nehemiah went 1,000 miles. Three months later, he finally got to, to, to Jerusalem. I don't know about you, but that's, that would have been a task in itself at that time. Wow, 1,000 miles. And I'm sure that then, three days later, we're going to see what happens three days later, but I'm sure during that time, he needed a rest, Right? Some of you need to rest just from going to Walmart. Yeah, I know, I'm telling you. But he probably needed time to rest, a time to pray, and also to prepare himself for, for the inspection of the wall that's going to need to be done. And so we'll go right into uh, to verse 12. I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. Wow. So when, we, when we're looking at a few others, you know, a couple could be two or three, right? 
Several would be five or six. You know, so a few could be, let's say, four or five. So maybe he took four or five people with him. And these were probably key individuals that he had met during those, those three days prior to, to getting prepared to do this, this survey uh, of, of the wall. And uh, so during that time, so I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. And we took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding on. So it's really cool where you see here, I slipped out during the night, right? And uh, only had a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. So that's very, very important for us. There's no need for you to tell anyone about the plan that God gives to you. You make sure you hang on to that. All right, when God gives you a plan, hold on to it, right? You want to make sure you're praying and you're listening to God and he gives you a plan so then you can go ahead and assess and cast vision for your family. So you need to be very careful. Don't share that information with your other family members outside your family or even friends because they're most likely going to try to discourage you, right? Or they're going to try to influence you with maybe things that they think you need to be doing for your family. Imagine that. So we want to be very careful to hold those close to, our, to ourselves there. And then we go into verse 13. After dark, I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burned gates. Maybe kind of give you a visual. So when we look at uh, when he's talking about the valley gate, the valley gate was over on the uh, southwest side of the city, way over here. And then what he did is he went out, he went out that gate, the valley gate, and then he traveled over to the, the dung gate past the jackal's well, okay? So he got over there. So now we went from the, from the southwest side of the city over to the south and kind of the southeast city. And then he said, then I went to the fountain gate, which is just a little, little north of there. I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. Wow, okay, so we can already see maybe what the wall would look like and, and all the junk that was all around from, from it being torn down and totally destroyed. You know, so it wasn't an easy journey around, around the walls for him to be able to inspect. But a lot, of a lot of obstacles to work through. And you and I, it's the same with our life. We have got a lot of junk. We've got a lot of obstacles that we got to walk through, around, maneuver through. There's a lot of stuff that we got to work through in our life. It's no different. So the question is, how far will we go? Are we going to continue? Are we going to press through? Are we going to press on? Are we going to give up? Let's continue. So let's go to verse 15. So, though it was still dark, I went up the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. So, Nehemiah went all the way up the Kidron Valley, which now is on the, the east side of the city. So, he went all the way up and around on the north side. Okay? So, he had a chance, and then he went all the way back down around to get back into the valley gate again. So, when we look at... Uh, when we look at that, we're, we're looking at the overall circumference of the city is over a mile. 
So he had a lot of inspecting that he was done during the night hours. And of course, the only light that he probably had was the moon because they, they wouldn't have been out there with torches and, and stuff like that. So let's look together at, um, and also just as a side note, when you look at the, at the history of, of Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the wall, what he's also looking at, depending on the sections that they were looking at that had to be repaired or, and or replaced, the wall had to be at least three to four feet thick, wide, deep. And the sections of the wall were anywhere from 15 to 20 feet high. So that was, a, that was a lot. That's a huge task. That was a lot of work that had to be done. It wasn't going to be easy. It's not for our family either. It's tough. A lot of stuff that we got to do. But Nehemiah knew that working together that they would accomplish what God set out for them to do because they knew that God would provide and ultimately God would be glorified and we get the blessings. It's awesome. Let's go to verse 16. The city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. So you see where Nehemiah is. He, he hadn't shared any of that. He kept it close to his heart or to his vest, right? So I, I'm encouraging you, if you look to seek counsel outside of your preparation with God, be sure that the confidence that you share and is shared with you is someone who loves God and also whose character is unquestionable. You need to make sure that you protect that for you and your family. Don't share your plans with anyone outside your immediate family until you've completed your task praying, getting your plan from God, assessing it, and then casting a vision with your family, and then doing it. Don't share that with anybody until you're ready. It's very, very important. And so now we'll look at, um, at verse 17. But now, now I said to them, so now here's where Nehemiah tells them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Wow, the same thing's true for you and I. When, when we have an opportunity and we get engaged with kingdom work, or when we do something and we're working together with our family to make a difference that will honor God, something's going to happen, Right? Something's going to happen. And what's going to happen is trouble is going to be coming, right? When we start doing something and God's all over it, the evil one is going to get active, right? What's really interesting, you know, when we look at the history uh, about Jerusalem, uh, the people at that time in Jerusalem, they were very content in their sadness. They literally weren't doing anything. And because of it, the enemy left them alone. But when the Jews began to serve the Lord and give glory and bring glory to the name of God, Satan woke up and he started getting busy and became active. And that's exactly what he's going to do in our lives and in our homes. When we take a stand for God, be prepared. 
it's not going to be easy. The road's going to get tough. But do you know what? Listen here now in verse 19. This is what's cool. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? They asked. And so it's really cool. When you, when you look at, at this where they scoffed contemptuously, what was happening is these three men, they literally verbally abused, they tore down, they disrespected, and they questioned the character of Nehemiah and those that were standing there with them. That's going to happen to you and I. We're going to experience that when we take a stand for our family, right? Opposition is evident when we take a stand for God. But remember, the blessings are incredible. Satan wanted to use all of those problems as weapons to destroy the work that Nehemiah had started. But God used them as tools to build and to repair and to restore the city, but most of all, to restore his people. And it comes to verse 20. I, rely, I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. But you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. Wow. Do you know what just took place? Nehemiah, he just took a stand. He literally just took a stand. Why? Because he knew. Nehemiah knew that these three men who opposed the rebuilding of the wall stood outside of the covenant of God's promise. None of them had any claim to what was going to take place in Jerusalem, let alone or possibly for all eternity. So the question is, will you take a stand for your family? How far are you willing to go? Will you travel a thousand miles? Will you jump into a three-month journey? Grandparents, why are you here? Do you live in Gilmer County and in this area because you wanted to be closer to your family? Or distance yourself from them? Parents, how far are you willing to go for your children? How far will you travel for them? Are they here locally? Are they with you? Are they still in school? Are they in your home? Will you commit to prayer? Ask God for a plan to assess and cast vision for your family? As a follower of Christ, will you acknowledge God and take a stand for Him when those that come to oppose you and attack you and attack your family? Will you take a stand for Him? If we trace back just a couple of statements that Nehemiah made and how God used him, you would hear this. I prayed, 
I came to Jerusalem. We began the good work. I trust that you're willing to take a stand today. And that brings us to our fifth fill-in-the-blank. Together with God, we will succeed. Together with God, we will succeed. In just a moment, we're going to go into a time of prayer together. And I'm just going to go ahead and move over. Because our team is going to come in just a, just a moment, and they're going to lead us in worship. But before they do, I'm going to ask something of you this morning. And I told you to be prepared, because I was going to ask you. But ultimately, I'm going to ask you if you'll meet me here this morning. I'm going to ask you to meet me here this morning to take a stand from your family. I'm, I'm not here, we as a church, we're not here this morning to assess and cast vision for you. That's your job. But you have to start somewhere. So I'm going to ask you in a little bit if you will come and meet me here. And I'm just asking you to commit to one thing. Just commit to pray. That's the very first thing that we need to be willing to do in our life is to get on our hands and knees before God and pray. Ask Him for a plan that will allow us to assess our family, cast a vision for our family, and do it. Your family may only be one. We've got a picture that... that um, I'm going to ask if we'll go up and put that picture up for us right now. And this is really, this is really, this is awesome. And Pastor Steve has, has been, been pressing us with this. My life's great work. I know this is not your, this isn't anybody's family here. But I don't, I don't know what your family looks like today. You may be by yourself. There may be two. There may be. 40 in your family. But I don't know what you look like. When you think about your family and you think about a picture of your family, how come there's never pictures of our family on their, on their hands and knees praying? How come there are not pictures of us laying over our family that are struggling, that are troubled, that are going through a difficult time. How come we don't take pictures of that to remind us of who we are, what we need to be doing as a family, and thanking God for restoring us? We don't ever see those pictures, but all we do is we see those pictures with everybody smiling, right? Is that what we want everybody to see? When's the last time you wept for your family? When's the last time that you mourned over them? Do you have a vision for your family? What do you want it to look like? What will it take to achieve it? 
What's your role in it? Are you the problem? Or are you the solution? Will you meet me here this morning? Again, I'm not here to cast vision for you. I want you to do it, but I want us to remember that that process that we need to go through, the first thing we need to do is pray. Ask God for a plan. Assess his plan. Cast the vision and do it. So I'm asking you just to commit to prayer this morning. Commit to taking a stand. And I'm including every single family member. You know, youth, teens, you may be here by yourself this morning and you don't even have a family member with you. But this is the best place to start. And I invite you to do that. Wow, what a great beginning. Will you commit to prayer? Will you ask God for a plan that will help you assess and cast vision for your family? Will you meet me here? You've got to start somewhere, right? Why not here? Why not now? I'm going to be right here. I'd love to pray over you, to pray for you, and to pray with you. And to start now.